Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. to be here with you. Wow, what a beautiful bouquet of nationalities and diversity here in Austin. This looks like the church to me. Wow. Wow. What an honor it is to be here with you and Pastor Johnson, Sister Johnson. Pastor Johnson is amazing. You guys are blessed with a tremendous shepherd. Iconic speaker, serious seriously wonderful speaker and just exudes a pastor's heart, loves people. Do you love the Johnson family? Why don't we honor them one more time? We love the staff of CLC. So thankful for my relationship with the Roses. These are good people that do a wonderful work. I'm pretty sure during their tenure here, they've added so much value. I love the Roses. Oprah voice. I'm sorry. I'm an Oprah fan. Give it up for Mitch and... And I had the privilege of working with Brad Wilkinson. The Wilkinsons are pretty cool people. Do you love them as well? This is a great guy. Sharon Paul, so many people. I won't go into all the, the list of people that I love here, but I just want to say thank you for allowing me to be here. This is a great honor and privilege for me to speak to this church tonight. So let's get right into the word. How about that, right? While you're standing, we're going to be reading from John's Gospel and the 11th chapter, actually the 12th chapter, beginning at verse 12. Now, this is a very important passage. Perhaps we uh, touched on it on Sunday, but I'm going to kind of revisit it in a little different way. Is that okay? I'm going to bring a little different swagger to it today, if that's all right. And so John chapter 12, beginning at verse 12, the next day, and I'm reading for the New Living Translation. Cool. We've got it there. So the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid. People of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Follow me now to chapter 14 of the same gospel that we're reading from. Follow me over there, and we'll throw that verse up. Do you have it for me? We're reading verse 6. Jesus told him. This is a very profound statement. This is huge. This is huge. Think about how much boldness this is. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one can come to the Father except through me. This is one of the greatest verses that codifies who Jesus is, right? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so tonight, I want to preach to you about your way out. Your, your way out. Everybody needs a way out, huh? You ever been in something and you need a way out? Okay, all right. We're going to preach about that for a little while. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name tonight for your goodness and your mercies. We're just praying that you'll breathe upon us with the same breath that caused Lazarus to raise from the dead. We pray that your power will be resident in this place. We pray that it will be tangible in the lives of people that have uh, put their faith in you and those that are just kicking the tires of their faith. Father, we want to see you move in this place. And today we pray, God, that your presence will move in here into our hearts and transform us. Let us leave here encouraged. Let us feel the mercy and the grace that comes from you. Let us leave here feeling transformed. And we thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for your mercy. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. You can clap your hands and be seated. <laughs> it's obvious that our culture tries to perfect the art of making an entrance. I really like that entrance that you guys just gave me a little while ago. I'm going to have to take that back to New York. Whether it's making a splash with clothing on the red carpet to an award show or entering a political race with much fanfare, making an entrance in our culture has ranged from spectacular to provocative. Each night, Jimmy Fallon, David Letterman, and Jay Leno make an entrance to a chorus of applause. Lady Gaga once went into a customized egg that was built for her that she laid in speechless for hours and carried into the Grammys before she performed. Como se dice weird. <laughs> I could give you a list of peculiar entrances made by different cultural icons, but more interesting to me in the context for which we gather tonight is the entrances that the God of the universe makes. In the Old Testament, his presence resides in a golden box, which is known as the Ark of the Covenant. When it arrives, it turns losing battles into victories. It brings a sense of awe when you get around this box. When it makes an entrance, stuff changes. When this box comes into the atmosphere, you are not looking at it as something casual. It is the resident presence of God there. The New Testament opens up with the angels declaring that there shall be a child that is born and this child is the king of glory. The Virgin Mary is the woman that houses the presence of God, the fullness of God and what about an entrance is that? Is that not an entrance that the God of glory would be contained in the womb of a woman? John the Baptist sees Jesus coming toward him one day where he's baptizing and announces that he is the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world. Jesus quickly tells John to baptize him to fulfill all righteousness and the voice of the Father bellows in the atmosphere and the Holy Spirit descends. Now folks, that's an entrance. The first wedding recorded that Jesus attends, he makes an entrance, all right? He turns water into wine for his guests, baby. That's an entrance. 
And tonight, I've come to acquaint you with one of the most heralded entrances of all time. So important is this entrance that all four gospel accounts record it. Last Sunday, Christians all over the world recalled this powerful debut. It's Jesus that we read of in the text in Jerusalem during the Passover. It's the premier celebration of the Jewish people to commemorate their ancestors' deliverance from the bondage of Egypt. It's at this time that people all from their known world converge to bring bring animal sacrifices to cover their sins. It's a grand event. The temple is active in its sacrifice of animals. And aside from the usual energy that's accompanying the Passover, Jesus is on everybody's radar. He is that cultural icon of the time. His popularity and heat index is out the roof. He is spiking in the popularity polls because he's just raised Lazarus from the dead. The religious leaders hate him though, but even the hate want to see him many have started to believe in Jesus the town is buzzing with his fame yet Jesus's mood is likely somber he knows that his death is forthcoming but to better understand what Jesus is about to enter you must consider the context of what was happening in the region these people are people whose lives have been blighted they have been oppressed these are people with stress and sin and weakness they've been fatigued by the dominance of the Romans they are aligning the walkways and the hillsides and all of them are looking for the entrance of their king the entrance of deliverance the entrance of change and in their minds their king is about to usher in a new era a new paradigm shift a new kind of lifestyle and now they would become the top dog they simply want to be delivered from their oppression in a way that causes them to be at the top of the battle they are looking for their way out and to prepare for Jesus's entry they're all starting to grab these palm branches and laying them down on the road that their king will trod and they're jubilant and they're stoked and they're excited because they are going to stick it to these Romans that keep oppressing them they're going to reallocate and recycle their position to be the ones on top they're going to make their way out and already we're seeing something in this context that's often amiss in our culture and that is spiritual expectation before I preach any further I want to stoke up your expectation all up in this holy house to let you know somebody better start looking for a king to walk all up in this place and uh, yeah 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 to bring you out In our 21st century context, we often don't look with expectancy for the arrival of Jesus. We're becoming the culture sometimes that may expect a lot of things from church. Great music, great coffee, a great sermon, particularly if it's short. But, <laughs> but tonight, perhaps, somebody ought to look toward the arrival of Jesus in this holy house. Because you've got something that you want to get changed. You've got a situation you want to get out of. You've got a certain circumstance and if I were you I'd throw my head back in the air and start saying come quickly Lord I don't know about you but it would be awesome in the next few minutes if somebody in this house stood up on your feet and pumped your fist in the air and said come Lord
The practice of laying down palm branches is significant in purpose because in their times, it would often be the symbol of the entry of a victorious king. That's why I'm wondering if somebody in this house wants to lay down some stuff for the entry of your victorious king tonight. They kept these palm branches and waved them in praise and affirmation. I'm sure their imaginations were busting with thoughts of just how Jesus would stick it to the Romans. They literally were massive in number. And while there's this dichotomy in the account, there's all these emotions. The other gospels are more descriptive. But if anybody says it well, it's the gospel of John. Because this is the first time Jesus would allow a public demonstration of his person and office. Let me read you an old prophecy Found in Zechariah chapter 9. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He's righteous and victorious. Yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And kings usually rode in on a great strapping stallion like this. You got that? There you go. But Jesus rides in on something more akin to this. It looks like the donkey from Shrek <laughs> and there's cultural significance here because when a king rode in on a horse it usually meant that they were going to recruit warriors for battle or that he was bringing a battle to that turf but Jesus riding in on a donkey is riding in with a symbol of peace and here's where I want to bring the tension of the text to the forefront because there's many in this room today that would shape their expectations around just how Jesus should enter your life. Some of us want Jesus to enter our lives in a certain way and we get messed up because he comes differently. But I don't know about you. I don't care if he comes on a donkey. I don't care if he comes. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care if he comes on a horse. All I care about is if he will come where I'm at. I don't have a certain expectation. I don't have a certain look. All I care about is Lord. Jesus comes he'll bring peace and when Jesus comes he'll bring his presence when Jesus comes he'll bring his authority <laughs> so here it is as we can I'm getting to, to what I want you to remember okay y'all gonna stick with me I was so scared and insecure to preach y'all just making me feel so comfortable and stuff my lord An interesting word is used when Jesus enters the scene. It comes from a Hebrew phrase, Hosea Na. It's Hosanna for us when we read it in the scriptures. It means save us. Oh, my, 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 my. Woo! It means save us. Save us from our weakness. Save us from our despair. Save us from our emotional distress. It's that feeling that comes from the recesses of your soul when you know that you're in danger. It's that feeling when you're falling down from a cliff and the only thing that's there to grab is one branch and you're saying, if I can just hold on to that, I need to be saved. It's the reason why we find in Psalm 118 and verse 25, them saying, please, Lord, please save us. Please, Lord, give us success. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So it originally started as a please save us save us but over time in the Hebrew culture they added another piece blessed 
is he that comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, their cry out of save us was immediately responded to by the forthcoming of God. So much so that when they said save us, it was instantaneous. Blessed be the one that comes in the name of the Lord. <laughs> Let's see if we can help your faith right now. In other words, after a series of time, their plea became a praise. What would happen in CLC tonight if you would turn your plea into a praise? I know you've been saying, God, help me get out. Help me get out of my weakness. Help me get out of my situation. Help me. But what would happen in this house if your plea turned into a praise where you can say, blessed. I'm still in it, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm still weak, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I still feel addicted, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I have no answers, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I can't find my way out, but blessed. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout with the voice of triumph all up in this house. Let's turn Christian Life Center into a praise center tonight. I know you got issues. I know you got drama. I know you got, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But turn it into a praise. Here's what I'm going to say all night. And here's, if you don't get anything else out of this sermon, I want you to get this phrase. I'm going to say it till you almost throw up by the end of this sermon. The way out is the way in. I say it one more time. Your way out is the way in. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when he comes in, that's your way out. You got to listen. Remember, these people are thinking that Jesus is going to take them out of their situation right away. Right? They think he's going to take it right to the Romans and give it to them. And Jesus, by way of his entry, is symbolically saying, I'm coming to bring peace. Peace that will overflow your spiritual bondage. I'll bring peace that will help the blind and the deaf. My entry is to give you an exit from everything that you're settling for. My entry today is for you to get your heart changed. My entry today is so that you don't have to pursue a righteousness in your own flesh by stuff that you do that you think is going to please me. My entry is so that you don't get your primary identity from your career, but you begin to get your primary identity as a son or a daughter of God. He's saying my entry is significant because you won't be controlled by popular culture. My entry into your life is significant because you won't be whimsical in your desire. I realize I'm speaking to people tonight that are in some tough situations. You came into this holy house tonight and you feel weak during the week. But maybe you're at a place that you think that if I can just get out my current job, if I could just get out of this relationship, if I could just get out of this stuff, and Jesus is saying, if you could just get me in your stuff. 
if you'll allow me to enter in a way that doesn't even look right to you in your mind. If you can allow me to come into your life in a way that you don't even think looks right. Because the way out is the way in. And Jesus is trying to enter. And can somebody one more time turn your plea into a praise? Everybody in this house has something you need God to save you from. Am I the only one? High five me, girlfriend. I know you got. Come with me right now. Is there anybody else in this house that you've got a plea? Don't get all cute on me now. You've come here this holy week. Jesus died for all of our pleas. I wish you would just let your voice raise toward heaven. Turn your plea into a praise. Hosanna! Blessed is he that comes. He comes. He comes. That's what I want you to know. That it doesn't make a difference what you're in. He comes. It doesn't make a difference how long you've been in it. He comes. The way out is the way in. Here's the deal. You know what Jesus says in one of the gospel accounts? You know what he gets sad about during this time of triumph? He says, you didn't understand the terms of peace. In other words, you did not understand why I want to enter. Terms of peace was an expression used to describe when kings would contemplate waging war with an opponent or not. And if they decided to, they would list all of the terms of peace that the opponent would agree to. They didn't understand that the kingdom of God was literally among them. All of Jesus' preaching, all of his miracles, all of that stuff was because he wanted to let people know that the way out was the way in self-righteousness in exchange for righteousness self-dependency for total dependence on Christ allegiance to Christ instead of allegiance to intellect we can't raise our logic model above God's logic and the good news today is that the way out is the way in more stuff is not going to give us peace A new husband, a new wife, not necessarily is going to give us peace. A new boyfriend, a new girlfriend is not going to give us peace, but a relationship with Jesus, the way in, gives us the way out. So let me hasten for you. Practical application points here. Number one, you shouldn't worry about getting out before Jesus gets in. You've probably heard it before. It's okay, you can't resort to your own logic model. We need to ask, and I want to leave some tension with you to wrestle with for a while. Have you let God into your life in a way where you accept his sovereignty over things you can't understand? Have you let God into your life in a way where you're okay with question marks, but somehow your faith is fully in Christ? Have you accepted that? Here's a popular passage of scripture. I feel like preaching a little while. Are you with me now? (laughs) Acts 16. Throw it up there for me. Do you got it? And around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, you hear the Hosanna there, right? Save us. Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. (laughs) 
Monday, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains off came off every prisoner. In other words, the way out was not busting the jail. It was getting him in the jail to bust them out. Ladies and gentlemen, all up in her tonight, you need to make sure you lift your voice loud and let Jesus in your situation to break every foundation. And number two, practical application point, shift your expectation on what his entry should look like. Shift it. Shift it. Because God may have been coming to you for a while through your co-worker. Jesus may enter into your life. This is going to mess with you now. Jesus may enter into your life but with you trying to learn something through somebody being sick in your family, trying to speak to you through that, trying to enter into your life through that. that that's, not, that's not the cool God, right? But that's, that, that's how God works. He puts all things together for good. Everything. God may be trying to enter into your life through sermons, through a song, through the beauty of just your neighborhood. God could be trying to speak to you. Don't discount and undermine the way Christ tries to enter into your life because you'll miss the way by not letting the way in. So let me conclude here. Let me bring this down. Hey, most of you have flown at some point, right? Now, I know you've been on a plane and you've heard the flight attendant say some things while you were, you know, closing down words with friends or angry birds or what. I don't even know what people play now, right? And you'll hear this kind of announcer. Thank you. Why don't you play that little announcer for me? Portable telephones are not approved for use in flight. However, you may use certain other electronic devices when advised by your crew. For everyone's safety regulations require your compliance. You barely hear anything, right? It sounds muffled to you, right? Be honest. When you're sitting on the plane, it does sound like Charlie Brown, right? These guys are there talking about seatbelt. Sir, shut down your iPhone. You're not paying any attention, are you? Thank you. You can shut it off. We've become so accustomed to hearing instructions about the way out. That all it turns into is We get so used to hearing about the way out in case of an emergency that we don't even pay attention to the details anymore. And one of the most beautiful things they do is they show you on the pathway that these will illuminate during darkness. In case of an emergency. What's interesting is those lights are still there if there is no darkness. There is no accident. <laughs> the track is always there pointing you to the way. Sort of like Calvary. It's always there. The pathway to the way out is always there. Whether it's dark or not, it becomes more lit when it's dark, huh? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When darkness comes around, we know how to find it real quick. Oh, we listen when we're about to crash. You wish you were listening, right? 
All I'm trying to say to you is during this holy week and during this year that Christ is trying to let you know that the gospel is like that track. It's that thing that we hear about so often and that's preached to us at all times. But I want to let you know that the way out is the way in. We can't just let it turn into sound bites. What Jesus did some 2,000 years ago on the cross was to provide a way out for every one of us. That's why he'll say, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And so as we come to a close, I want to let you know that the beauty of the work of the cross is that there is a way out when we let the way in through repentance. We were looking for a building recently in New York, and um, we ended up getting another place, but it was great. Brought in this accountant dude, and, you know, he came around, and he's measuring up stuff, and he's doing all this stuff. All I could think about is, Lord, how much is this going to cost? Good grief. He's asking all these questions and stuff, and he's, you know, getting all these details and so on. And then he dropped this big old word on me, right? He said, well, there's not enough egress here. I'm like, egress? What in the world is egress? Como se dice egress, you know? It's like, yo, dude. Speak English, man. So, right? Said, there's not enough egress in this place. And I thought, well, that's interesting. In other words, it's just another word for exit. Why couldn't he just say exit? You know what I'm saying? Say exit, man. I understand exit. The exit, E-X-I-Z-T, all right? How's egress spelled? E-G, you know, R-I-S-I, I don't know. Say exit, homie, right? So, said there's not enough egress there. And so, it was a powerful thing. Lots of ways to get in. <laughs> there's no way to get out. No way to get out. No way to get out. Let me just tell you, folks, all of us have issues, including the guy holding the mic speaking to you right now. All of us have our own idolatries. We all have brokenness, all of us. And so you can't exalt, oh, we flew in this preacher and he just got, no, 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 no. I've got stuff that I'm working through, trying to make sure I talk to my wife with honor, make sure that I can be present when I'm with my children, make sure that I treat people right. And I've got my own, you know, insecurities that I'm trying to work through. I'm an affirmation addict in recovery. <laughs> Not enough egress. But the beautiful thing about God is wherever you're at in your respective journey, some of you got broken stuff, issues, you can't stop doing this, you can't stop. Listen, 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 let me tell you, mercy is trying to enter into this. The gospel. The gospel and the cross is God's great attempt to say that the way out is the way in and that he's created plenty of egress, exits for you, 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 and you. Read 1 Corinthians 10, 13 with me. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience in God. God, he 
He's faithful. He's faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you're tempted, he will show you the way out. What does that mean? You're thinking, oh, he's going to show me just how to make more money. No, he's going to show you him the way out. And if you can look at Jesus, you will find a beautiful way out. Many years ago, his back was beaten. He walked a long road by himself, could barely take his own cross, nailed to a cross through his wrist here, feet doubled over, naked in front of everybody, ashamed. He would lift his body enough just to breathe before he was asphyxiated try to stretch himself up and gasp air forsaken for you and me just for one sentence so that you can understand that the way out is the way in he is the way so here's what I want to close with two different crowds met Jesus in that text didn't they there were those who would acknowledge his kingship those who would reject him as well and his authority some wanted him to come and shake up the status quo Some wanted to enjoy different types of liberties that were provided by Rome and Caesar. They didn't really want Jesus messing stuff up. And then others would recognize him as Messiah. So the last question that I want to leave you lingering with is this. What have you been trying to work yourself out of that you need to work Christ into? What have you been, have you been trying to be so good so that you can get Jesus? Have you been working really hard to try to attract God? Stop wasting your time. You can never be good enough. You can never be righteous enough. But the wrath of God has been withheld from every one of us because of the work of Jesus on the cross. It is finished. You don't have to work as hard as we would have. But if you can put your faith in Jesus Christ tonight and the efficacious work that he did for every one of us. You're not too deep in sin. You're not too deep in weakness. I'm not too deep in my weakness for me to realize that the way out of everything is the way in. Everybody standing. I wish everybody in this house right now If you're a first-time guest, you haven't put your faith in Christ, there's going to be some people that are going to come up here at the altar. As a matter of fact, if we can mobilize them right now, and we're going to pray for you. Now listen, it's not going to be weird. It's not going to be strange. We're not going to tell you, you got to do this, 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 and this, and this to be a member of CLC. No, we're just so honored that you're here tonight. This is not awkward. This is a beautiful moment for us to celebrate and inaugurate the Holy Week. And so some of you today, you need to see that the track lighting in a proverbial sense, is lighting up. And it's like the voice of the steward is saying, come on, you know, this is what you got to do. Buckle this. And if you say, listen, you know what Jesus does? The scripture says that he lets us sit in heavenly places with him. It's like, it's like, don't you ever just want the emergency exit seat on a plane? More room, more, you know, 
It's like God just sets us up to sit in places with him with more room, with more freedom, with more grace, with more liberty, with more gospel enjoyment. And so if you're here today, we don't want to make it awkward. As a matter of fact, there's going to be some people that have already put their faith in Christ. They're going to walk up and get prayed for too. But if you're here and you're like, man, I am just trying to get out of my life. I'm trying to get out of this weakness. I'm trying to get out of this stuff. Why don't you come down here and we'll help you to pray the way in. And when the way comes in, baby, you're going to know it because it feels so different than being what you've been in. So why don't you just make your way down to this altar here? We're going to sing. Thank you for one that's coming already. The way out is the way in. Say it with me. The way out is the way in. The way out is the way in. So if you're here, I want you to come down. If you're a first-time guest, please don't be intimidated. We're family up in here. We don't, we don't make anybody feel strange. Well, I want you to come down and come pray with us. If you have a special need, I'm guaranteeing you right now, you need the way in. Thank you for those that are coming. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.